0: let's talk about when you started your your last firm you know you started out was it just you did you have any help with you you know staff anybody in the beginning how, how did you do that
1: yeah it was it, you know, it was me on my laptop in the spare bedroom of our apartment when uh i started aaron thomas law i you know initially had no help there were some of the counties that weren't even on e-filing yet so i was you know i was the person that would (laughs) that would go and 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 copy you know pleadings and drive over to the post office myself i had the little stamps.com scale (laughs) on my desk in my apartment you know sometimes i would have to drive to the actual courthouse you know clerk's office to Figure out how to get something filed because you know I'd never done the paralegal's job before, and and now I was the I was the lawyer, I was the secretary, I was the paralegal, I was the receptionist, the
2: whole nine. Welcome to the Founding Partner Podcast. Join your host Jonathan Hawkins as we explore the fascinating stories of successful law firm founders. We'll uncover their beginnings, triumph over challenges, and practice growth. Whether you aspire to launch your own firm have an entrepreneurial spirit or are just curious about the legal business. You're in the right place. Let's dive in.
0: Welcome to the Founding Partner Podcast. I'm Jonathan Hawkins, the founder of Law Firm GC, a law firm that represents lawyers and law firms in business related matters. Excited to have our guest today, Aaron Thomas. He's the founder of prenups.com and, Aaron, why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, well, I, and that's that's what I was going to say. Aaron Thomas, founder of prenups.com. I'm, I'm a longtime family law attorney. been practicing law for 20 years, family law exclusively for almost all of that time, for most of that time, and yeah, recently founded prenups.com.
0: So, you know, we met, I, I looked it up. I think it was about a year and a half ago. And I remember we, we went and had lunch and, you know, you were telling me about, what you were doing and what you were thinking about doing and it was just right up my alley i I remember walking out of there thinking man, this guy i like this guy he thinks like i do and so i want to i want to sort of walk through a little bit of your your history and maybe we'll start it sort of undergrad real quick and then sort of take us through sort of where you are now so where'd you go to undergrad what what did you study
1: i went to emory university that was my Kind of tied to atlanta i'm from memphis originally but came down to atlanta for college i got my degree in political science knew i was going to go to law school from before i even started college so whatever was going to get me there easiest was was kind of my route
0: okay so you knew it did, um, after uh undergrad did you get straight to law school did you take any time off
1: i took one year off um, i'd already gotten into law school i deferred for a year um worked and uh paid off my college credit cards and saved up a little bit of cash and then and then uh went to law school the following year
0: nice and 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 you and don't leave out where you went to law school (laughs) (laughs) harvard law
1: school yes harvard law school yeah is where i I went they Uh, they let me in so I, i took them up on the offer
0: impressive so then after that you came back to atlanta did you go straight into family law or something else
1: I didn't, you know, I went to law school assuming that I would just work for the biggest, baddest New York law firm that I could get into. And after one summer there, I realized that that was not going to be the life for me. I came back to Atlanta without a job, didn't really know what I was going to do. Ended up working for Habitat for Humanity in house for a couple of years. I figured I can do some good while I'm trying to figure out, you know, what I want to do with my life and decided I wanted to to litigate. And nobody litigates more than prosecutors and public defenders. So from Habitat, I went to the DeKalb County Public Defender's Office here in Atlanta, Georgia. And I was there for three years, got some trial experience, and then a family law firm needed uh, somebody with trial experience. I had it. They recruited me in. And so I kind of really stumbled into family law. It wasn't like something that I, you know, sat down with all of the options, thought about it, and picked this from a list. but. Uh, it was kind of where I ended up, and and family lawyers go to court, and I like going to court, and so it was a good match.
0: Cool. So, you, so you you were at that firm for a while, and eventually you went out and started your own firm, right? Or did did you leave that firm to to start a firm, or did you do something in between that firm and your firm?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, interestingly, I when I was working for the family law firm, I was paying off my student loans, like you know many of us did. And I tried to, I was trying to get rid of them on such an accelerated schedule. I was, I was basically, you know, living on one of my two monthly paychecks and putting the other one towards paying down debt. And after doing that for a while and got rid of my loans, I, it struck me that I could, you know, at that, you know, currently 50% savings rate that I could save up, you know, a good amount of cash and do kind of what had been a dream trip for me for a while, which is, you know, I'd had this dream of, of taking a year off and traveling around South America. And so, that's basically what I did. Me and my then girlfriend, now wife, both left our jobs at the same time at the end of 2013. And we spent 2014 traipsing around South America.
0: Nice. So you, you stopped practicing law completely, no remote law or anything, right? No
1: remote law. I, I wrote legal articles for a couple of different websites uh, while I was traveling just to have, you know, some, some spending money coming in, but I was not practicing law. My wife actually came back to the US after 12 months and I wanted to continue working on my Spanish. So I spent another three months in, in Central America before coming back in, in mid 2015. Yeah. Start my practice. So, so where,
0: where did you go down there? I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. So we spent,
1: we spent the first six months in Ecuador where my wife's family is from. And then we spent probably, you know, two to four weeks each in Colombia. Peru, Bolivia, Chile, Argentina, a little bit in Uruguay, and then Brazil. And then that's when my wife came back to the U.S. And then I went and spent three months in Panama, Costa Rica, and most of the time really in on, on the coast of Nicaragua in a little beach town, a little surf town there. So yeah, nice. experience of a lifetime.
0: I, yeah. I, you know, I did that in between undergrad and law school, went down, spent about three and a half months in Costa Rica, and I did not want to leave, but I ran out of money. <laughs> And I, I had a job down there, but I said, you know, it doesn't, it was September. And I said, you have a job, but it doesn't start till January, which was the, you know, the busy season. And I was like, I don't have any money to stay till then. So <laughs> I came back to the States expecting to go back, but then never did. So, but yeah, I loved it down there.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful. All
0: right. So then you come back and you, is this when you start your own law firm? Kind
1: of, I wasn't even 100% sure, you know, I knew that. After you pull off you know, 15 months in Latin America, that, that kind of changes the scope of options in your brain as to what is possible, at least it did for me. And so all I knew was I wasn't going to go back and just become an employee at, at the firm that I'd worked at previously. Uh, I toyed with the idea of you know, starting a couple other different types of businesses, but that summer of 2015, um, I had a couple of my former clients reach out to me and say, Hey, you did a great job on my case previously. I need to go back to court or, you know, I got married again and I shouldn't have, and I need your help. And, and I said, yeah, I will help you. And, you know, I liked the people that were reaching out to me. I wanted to help them. And, you know, I figured if I'm going to do this, I might as well do it right. I hung up my shingle, started my law firm and, and, you know, the rest, as they say, was history.
0: Yeah. So that, and that was, is was only, only family law, right? Or did you do other stuff? I only did family law. Okay. Yeah. So when we met, you were still running your firm, I guess, the, pre, the the immediate preceding incarnation of your firm when we met. And I remember you talking about, hey, I, I've got this other idea. So so talk me through that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So my, my law firm, my previous law firm was Aaron Thomas law, and had grown it had built it up over, you know, a number of years. <laughs> but even from the early days, I wanted to develop a niche in prenuptial agreements. Um, you know, shortly after the time that my wife and I got back from Latin America is when we got engaged. My wife is also a lawyer. And so for us, it was a foregone conclusion that we would have a prenup of our own. You know, I mean, one thing I picked up doing family law was you know, how necessary they are, how you know, beneficial they are, how much they save time and heartache and stress and, and money down the line for my clients. And so I knew I was going to have one. And we really set out to write, you know, like kind of the perfect prenup, like if we were to write a prenup that not only would prevent against the messy divorce, but like actually help us stay married, what would that look like? And, you know, once once I kind of developed that, you know, friends and other people were like, you've got you've got to make this a thing. You've got to tell other people that this exists. You know, most people have a negative view of prenups and, and I wanted to do a positive view of prenups. It took, it, it has taken that entire time for me to kind of figure out how to make that niche work. The original uh, iteration of it was I think back in 2016, I started a website and we called it We Nuptial and you can probably see where I was trying to go there. It was, it broke the rule of, you know, don't be cute or clever, be clear you know, we were trying to take it as, you know, like this is a wee nuptial. it's, you know, you're doing it together with your spouse and it's a good thing. But the next iteration of it was georgiaprenups.com. So you could probably guess the lesson I learned <laughs> from that first iteration. You know, once we were georgiaprenups.com, nobody asked what it was that we did and where we did it. You know, it was, it was the other end of the spectrum it was very clear And and then two years ago is when I, you know, negotiated the acquisition of the URL that we use today, prenups.com.
0: And so now it's not limited to Georgia. You're going national, right?
1: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to go national. My my ethics attorney uh, reminds me to say multi-state <laughs> until we're in all 50 states. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's the ultimate goal is, is to be coast-to-coast provider of prenups agreements.
0: Yeah. And so I remember when we met uh, the first time, I think you had two or three attorneys working for you, you had several paralegals. You had a big firm, I mean, a decent firm going with lots of work. You're probably making pretty good money. And then I, I, I feel like it was within a month or two, we talked again and you're like, everything's changed. Do you remember this?
1: Yeah, I do. I do. Like what, what,
0: what happened and what'd you do?
1: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So the firm was at, we were at eight people. It was myself, three attorneys, three paralegals, my marketing coordinator, and, you know, lots of, it it was a culmination of a lot of life events that kind of led me to want to make that change. But at the end of the day, you know, this is what was going to, you know, one, this has been my dream project forever. And I realized that you're never going to build it in two hours a week that you have left over after you are, you know, running, you know, a pretty busy, you know, growing law practice. You can't, you know, you can't break into, (laughs) you know, you know, what I was trying to do in a couple hours on the side. And this was also what was going to give me the freedom to be more location independent, spend time with my family up in, in Memphis. And you know, even really be more present for you know my wife and my daughter, and so all of those things coming together made me want to make the leap and go directly into only doing prenups.com. So, yeah, we closed the family law firm down in the end of August of 2022, and since then, it's been 100% of my focus on prenups.com. I mean, I I've, I had you know a lot of cases that I kept after that date you know clients that I'd grown close to or you know trials that were coming up so I was still technically practicing family law cases until probably March or April of 2023 but that's that was the transition and now I'm 100% doing prenups
0: you know it the you know the fact that you did that I mean I know how hard it is to to build a firm you know I've been at several firms I'm I'm building mine you know you built up you know, just finding people, getting the work, all of that. You know, even from the the boring stuff. You know, getting the uh, systems in place, the the technology, payroll, all that stuff. I mean, it took you a lot of work to get where you were. You're probably making you know pretty good money, and to have the fortitude to then just say, "All right, I'm letting it all go." I mean, what what were you thinking? You know, how <laughs> did you convince yourself this is a great idea? Yeah, yeah. You know, good good. Question.
1: And everything you said is true. You know, we, I had grown it. We were doing well. It was successful. Absolutely loved the people that were working with me. That was far and away the hardest part of the entire process was, you know, going to my team and, you know, letting them know that the firm was going to be closing and that certainly I was going to do everything I could to help them land in as good or better of a place and you know luckily enough you know within a couple of weeks of making the decision virtually everybody on the team had multiple offers to go somewhere else uh, some people you know chose that time to strike out on their own and start their own practice and I was able to support and still you know am supporting those people through that but you know I went to you know honestly my wife was a big part of it you know I went to her when I had the idea and asked her, you know, what she thought about me potentially, you know, making this move by the end of the year. And her response to me was, end of the year, how about the end of the month? And so I really could not have done it without her support and kind of, you know, pushing me on. I think, you know, part of it was, you know, was getting it wrapping my mind around what I was leaving behind in closing this law firm that, like, like you said, I mean, this was my baby. I mean, I, you know ate, drank and slept growing ATL from 2015 to 2022. You know, it was not just a daytime weekday job for me. It was it was a big part of my life, but I think what we really focused on was, you know, the upside of what things could look like if this idea that I had could actually work. You know, if I could do something that I felt passionate about, and that would give me and my family additional freedom. And also kind of the fear of if I don't take this leap, you know, the bigger the law firm gets, the harder it is to walk away from. And if I didn't take that leap, then I might never do it. And there's never a perfect time, but we had a little bit of savings in the bank and I ripped the band aid off and, you know, I made the switch.
0: Well, tell you bring up a good point, you know, i know i've felt it i know i've talked to a lot of lawyers that feel it you know you've got your spouse your kids or whatever it is you have family obligations other obligations and it's hard to walk away and i think a lot of people are scared to walk away from things and pivot from where they are i think you know i I talked to a lot i'm sure you have to talk to a lot of lawyers that are unhappy with their current situation they feel trapped and they they feel like i can't leave this but you know they can They can't. I'm not going to say it's easy. I'm not going to say you can go flip a switch immediately, but you can do it. But but the key is, I think you got to you got to have a supportive family behind you because they're along for the ride. And probably without that, uh, maybe maybe you wouldn't have made the jump. I don't know.
1: Oh, uh, no, no way I would have made the jump um, without the support of my wife in this. She knew it was going to mean, you know, a dip in income and she's got a busy you know, tough career herself in law, but I think she also knew how long I've been wanting to, to do this and, you know, good or bad. She's, she is sold on the vision and probably believes in me more than I have myself, you know, at certain times. So, you know, yeah, that was, that's, that was a huge part of it. And I think, you know, we both have that mentality having taken time away from the practice of law previously and come back and both ended up being in a position far better than what we left behind. You know, when we quit our job in 2013, people thought we were crazy. And <laughs> you know, like, how are you ever going to get back? You know, is anybody going to hire you after that time away? And you know, not only did we kind of get back to where we were, but we ended up in a better place. And so I think because we both proven that to ourselves previously, it was easier to say, we've done it once, we'll do it again. and you know, the idea is you'll end up in a better place afterwards.
0: You know, that's the cool thing. So, you know, I want to in a second sort of go back and talk about sort of the, the building of your prior firm before you've pivoted here to prenups.com, but you've done it before. So, you know, you can do it. You, you sort of, you sort of made some mistakes before, probably learned some lessons. You know what to do now a little bit easier, although you're doing it on a bigger scale, you know, than just Georgia. And maybe just Atlanta, I don't know how far your scope was before, but yeah, let's take a few steps back. Let's talk about when you started your, your last firm, you know, you started out, was it just you, did you have any help with you, you know, staff, anybody in the beginning, how how did you do that?
1: Yeah, it was, it, it was me on my laptop in the spare bedroom of our apartment. When, uh, I started Aaron Thomas law, I, you know, initially had no help. There were some of the counties that weren't even on e-filing yet, so I was, you know, I was the person that would <laughs> that would go and 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 copy, you know, pleadings and drive over to the post office myself. I had the little stamps.com scale <laughs> on my desk in my apartment. You know, sometimes I would have to drive to the actual courthouse, you know, clerk's office to figure out how to get something filed because, you know, I'd never done the paralegal's job before. And, and now I was the, I was the lawyer. I was the secretary. I was the paralegal. I was the receptionist, the whole nine. So yeah, I was, I was a true solo at the beginning.
0: So how long, how long were you a true solo? How long until your first hire and, and who was that? What role was that first hire? I'm curious.
1: The First person that I brought on was a paralegal that I'd worked with at my previous firm. And she initially came on as just a contract paralegal. We knew each other. We were friends. We'd worked together for years and knew that we worked well together. And I desperately needed the help probably, I'd say probably six to nine months into starting my practice. So she came on board in that first year and then Probably a year after she was working with me as a contract paralegal, I made her an offer to, to be a, a full-time employee and, and she transitioned over to that role.
0: So looking back, do you, you wish you had hired her sooner? You always wish you had yeah, hired
1: yeah. the help sooner, you know There's this like common, I know you know it too. There's this common misconception or fallacy that people have of I can't afford to hire the help but hiring the help is what allows you to afford them in the first place.
0: You know, Um, it's, yeah, you know, you've heard it. We've all heard it. I mean, we've all experienced it. It, It's a a scary first step when you've never done it before. I mean, before I started my firm, I was always an established platform, mid-sized firm and and everybody was already there. And then if we had to hire somebody else, somebody else sort of did all that, you know, at most maybe I, I might interview somebody, but you know, all the other stuff just got taken care of. But then you're on your own and you have to, you, it's up to you. And it's, you know, a lot of lawyers think this is a, this is a cost coming out of my pocket and it's expense instead of wait, no, this is really sort of an investment. And it's, it's not like, you know, you're married to this person forever and ever and ever so to speak if, if it doesn't work out then you can sort of part ways if you need to but so so you finally you you, you get get her on full time and then at some point you start hiring attorneys Tell, take me through that process
1: yeah yeah so you know the first probably three years of practice full years of practice 2016 through 2018 a lot of the growth that happened was honestly in my mindset I, you know, started doing some, some coaching and learning more about business. I mean, I read every book, I listened to the podcast, I joined the websites and the newsletters to try to take in everything I possibly could about running a business. And I, you know, kind of wrap my mind around the idea that, you know, kind of what you just said, that you bring people on, if it doesn't work out, you know, obviously you can part ways, you hope that that doesn't happen, but. You know try to treat it as an experiment you know you bring somebody on board and if it doesn't work and you can't afford that you know if you can't afford them then it's not in anybody's interest uh for them to stay on the first big hire that i made after my paralegal was my marketing assistant and a lot of people raise an eyebrow at that because you know that is not a billable hour person they are not directly generating revenue for the law firm how can you afford to pay you know someone just to do marketing for you but it had become clear to me how important it was for me to have consistent marketing efforts going out. Um, Prior to that, I've been doing what a lot of small, you know, solo or small law firms do, which is when you run out of work, you go and you market, market, market and network and do coffees and shake people's hands and ask for work and, you know, touch base with your former clients. And then once you get busy, you stop all the marketing efforts and it all dries up (laughs) until you, you know, you you, Mm -hmm. you go back through that cycle over and over. And the only way you break out of it is to come up, with a system to consistently have marketing efforts happening, even when, even when you're busy. And so I brought on the young lady who had a marketing degree from Georgia State. And that was really probably a big turning point in my practice. I had to hire another attorney probably within four or five months, um, because it worked so well.
0: Nice. You know, the other thing that, you know, I've experienced, I'm sure you have, and everyone has, that's done this when you hire them, you know, it's, it's money out the door and there's some stress there, but then, you know, you've got to train these people on them and it's, you know, you're doubling your workload, at least for some period of time, it feels like it at least. And then eventually you see, you know, the, you see the relief, I guess, hopefully to tell me about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, you know, I've, I've heard it described as a J curve and that's, that's, that's definitely accurate in my case in terms of, you know, things go down before they, you know, shift back up. I had the, you know, having the marketing person, having the paralegal on board, you know, making sure all of the pieces fit, everybody knows what they're doing. People have enough to do. It's clear what people are supposed to do and how they're supposed to do it. Developing the processes, um, in a trial and error approach, which you have to, you're not going to, you're not going to eliminate errors, you know, on your first time trying to build it. And so all of those pieces were, you know, part part of the puzzle. But once my marketing person was in place and she knew what she was doing and my paralegal had the freedom because she had honestly been doing a lot of what my marketing assistant ended up doing, which was not her best use in my firm. She was freed up to do what she does best. I was freed up. To do what i do best and things started moving you know far more smoothly than they had prior to that hire and that kind of sold me on okay this is this is the approach i've got to take
0: and so you you ended up you know i think you said you had three attorneys or so and you know pretty pretty decent sized staff before you sort of pivoted and shut your your firm down or the the old version of it how much of your time was you know client work versus firm work or marketing or whatever you want to call it?
1: Yeah, probably, you know, I probably say it was it was 5050 in terms of my time that was spent actually working with clients, I was still kind of the, the primary litigator, the courtroom litigator for most of the cases. So you know, even though every case that we had, there was another attorney working on it and kind of, you know, managing a lot of the data today, I still had to stay up and knowledgeable for every single client that was in the firm and, but I did have a good amount of time to spend on the marketing and, you know, the financial controls and the management of the staff and, you know, even the HR, you know, <laughs> I mean, when you're, when you're in a small business, mm-hmm. the, 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 person at, at the top is, is wearing four or five hats at any given time, as I'm sure you know.
0: Oh yeah. And you know, this may be a mindset question. I don't know. Did you find it hard? letting go and delegating? Or was that pretty easy for you?
1: Oh, no, I didn't. It was not. (laughs) (laughs) It was not easy to delegate. I mean, it's, it's, it is funny, because the same things that make you successful, you know, in the initial parts of building your practice, you know, the attention to detail and the, you know, controlling every aspect of your clients experience, and, You know taking everything from step one to you know the very end of of the case those are the things that will that will break you later on in the growth of your business and so it was really difficult to let go of the idea that i wouldn't be copied on every single email that you know goes into or 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 in or out of the firm or that i wasn't going to be on every single phone call or that i didn't get to make every strategic decision in a case as it progressed through litigation. So, you know, putting people in a place to be successful and then trusting them to do the things that are that are going to be best for the case is is a huge shift and probably another thing that hampers. I think a lot of business owners in in growing past a certain point where they can no longer control everything under the roof of their business.
0: I mean, you know, the thing you said a minute ago, you know, the things that made you successful in the beginning I mean, that, that is, I mean, that's worth repeating there because a lot of people get stuck there and they can't move beyond it. I mean, if, if you're going to grow or scale, you got, you're going to have to grow as well and learn different skill sets. And like you said, you got to let go. And I, I mean, a lot of lawyers have a lot of trouble letting go. It's tough, but you know, if, if you want to get beyond just you working all the time, doing everything, you're going to have to learn to do that. And it sounds like, You did, so that's good.
2: At the law firm GC, our team of experienced attorneys provides knowledgeable legal counsel for businesses of all sizes. Founded by Jonathan Hawkins, our firm specializes in corporate law, real estate, litigation, and more. To learn how we can become your trusted legal advisors, visit www.yourlawfirmgc.com and schedule a free consultation today. The law firm GC, law done right.
0: So, you know, question, it sounds like you said your, your biggest hire was the marketing assistant. This, this may be the same answer, but looking back over the last, you know, let's call it five to 10 years, you know, what were the one or two biggest impact decisions on your career? Looking back on it that you made.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, part of it was the, you know, the, the marketing hire, but Taken from a different perspective, it was really the focus on making marketing one of the you know major pieces, one of the major legs of the stool, so to speak, of the business. I had, you know, I'd worked previously at a firm that did no marketing and needed to do no marketing, or at least what you would consider marketing in the traditional sense, right? The owner of my previous firm, he went and spoke at conferences. Of course, I now recognize that as, you know, probably the best marketing that you could possibly do. But he didn't run ads, you know, and there was no social media. And a lot of lawyers kind of see themselves as above social media, or at least they certainly did 10 years ago. They saw it as like, you know, kind of stooping down. And even today, It drives me crazy, Jonathan, but I hear so many lawyers like bragging about, oh, we do no marketing. You know, we get all of our cases from referrals as though that is like a good thing. And really, you know, now I understand that that means that you are leaving cases on the table. You are making, you know, you are making it more difficult for the person that needs your help to find you. You know, it is one thing to be very good at what it is that you do. And it's a totally other thing to, you know, be able to effectively communicate that to the people who need your services. And so, you know, really kind of, you know, wrapping my mind around the idea that, um, you know, you are doing a service to your future clients by letting them know that you exist and that you know what you're talking about and kind of sharing information with them on the front end. All of that is marketing, you know, and part of that is, you know, social media and newsletters or even just picking up the phone and calling a former client and saying, hey, how are you doing? you know, just checking in with people and all of those things fall under marketing. It's not just, you know, putting up ads on, on Google. And so that was, you know, a huge unlock to how I viewed my firm and me viewing my firm more as a business than, you know, just uh, a law practice
0: that doesn't do marketing. (laughs) Well, you've gotten pretty good at the marketing piece. I gotta admit now let's talk about this. You you recently released a book about how, how many weeks ago now?
1: Gosh, probably four weeks ago, the book came out. It's called "The Prenup Prescription: Meet the Premarital Contract Designed to Save Your Marriage." Yeah, I, and it's I've been, got my
0: cop, my copies over here. I, I got I got one. Yeah, it's, it's 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 a good book. And so I know you've been talking about it. What what kind of a reception have you seen, or have you noticed, or, or can you tell yet?
1: It has been such a fantastic reception, way beyond my expectations we hit number 1 on the Amazon bestseller list in in our categories we have tons of reviews on Amazon great reviews and great feedback that i've gotten a lot of you know some a lot of them are from people that know me but there are people that do not know me that are that are reaching out and saying this book has been a, a game changer in terms of the information they've learned people who are already married you know are getting something from it And yeah, I just want to continue to get the message out there. You know, really proud to have gotten this, this out into the world
0: in in the books on, on prenups. And and I will say, I think you've got an interesting approach to prenups that, you know, I I don't have a prenup. I don't really know much about it. I know a little bit about it just because, you know, I'm a lawyer and whatever, but your approach to prenups, I think is very creative and, and, you know, unique and, and cool. Some of the things, and you can talk about a few of them here if you want, but you know, the, the agreement to uh, have certain meetings and counseling and things like that. I, I, you know, I, I didn't know, maybe that's a common thing that's put into prenups. I I just thought it was about money, but I think that that's pretty cool stuff. And I think when people hear it and learn about it, you know, their interest goes, goes up, I would imagine.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, before I knew, you know, what, how deep prenups could go. I had the same misconception that most people do, that you're, you're basically, you're just planning your divorce settlement before you get married. And that's, that's the extent of it. And it was really, you know, in my practice working for another, for the last law firm where I was working on a prenup and the attorney on the other side was negotiating a lot of the things in terms of, you know, what's going to happen during the marriage itself. I mean, when you think about it, it makes sense, right? Like if, if, if a prenup says, you keep what's in your name i keep what's in my name and we split whatever's in joint names that could either be a super fair arrangement or a super unfair arrangement depending on what that couple does during the marriage itself like how does the income flow what what is going into the joint account versus our separate accounts and so really kind of leaning into you know what couples do during the relationship has informed my approach to prenuptial agreements and you know, as lawyers, I think that, you know, sometimes we feel like we can only advise on this one thing, you know, like we can we can only negotiate the divorce settlement rather than, you know, taking all of the information that we've learned as divorce lawyers. I've tried over a thousand of litigated, you know, over a thousand divorces over the course of, of my career. And I've learned some things that, you know, couples need to know going into their relationship. I'm a believer that, you know, things don't go wrong. They start wrong. You know, and what I learned from my divorce practice is, you know, a lot of what couples were arguing about in their divorces stemmed from them not setting up their finances correctly on the front end. And so I can't draft a prenup without telling the client, you know, certain things that I just know to be true from my experience. You know, you can't go Dutch for life. You know, you, mm-hmm. That's not going to work. You can't have two people living in the same household with different socioeconomic brackets. That's not going to work. And so kind of, you know, having the opportunity to help couples on the front end structure their finances to hopefully have a successful marriage, as well as if they get divorced, they're not going to spend, you know, a quarter of their net worth and a year and a half of their life in a courtroom fighting over, you know, the remaining 75% of their net worth after the attorneys were paid is, you know, it's certainly a worthwhile endeavor for me. and you can see why I'm why I'm passionate about this. well yeah
0: I mean the passion comes through and it you know I, I feel like your years of litigating divorces you know has taught you hey there, there's a better way to set this up and I did the same thing for partnership agreements for law firms you know I call them prenups for law firms that's what I call them and it's you know I've done a lot of law firm breakup cases and every time I do one there's some new little nuance that then I'm saying all right we're going to put this in the partnership agreement to make sure it doesn't happen next time, or if it does, we're going to minimize the fight over it. And I'm passionate about that. And I can tell you're passionate about, you know, helping people avoid some of the messes that might happen in a divorce. So, you know, it's clear, it just comes out of you, you know, that you are just sort of, it seems like you're a natural entrepreneur. Would you say that from early age, you were sort of an entrepreneurial person, or is this something that developed later? Do you know, have you looked back and thought about it?
1: Yeah, you know. Only in hindsight can I look at things from my youth and see them as entrepreneurial. You know, I was definitely, you know, from a young age, I sold, you know, Christmas cards door to door in my neighborhood to get like the little cash and prizes from those things. Whenever my sisters, my uh, two older sisters had like fundraisers for the band or for, you know, their girls groups, they would just hand me the box of M&Ms or candy bars and set me loose because, you know, I had no problem going door to door and, you know, selling those things. So, you know, certainly there were some things that were entrepreneurial, but, you know, I got, I got locked into the idea that I wanted to be a lawyer at like age 12 and, and put my blinders on and really didn't look to either side. Now, looking back, I definitely see myself probably more entrepreneur than I do even lawyer in terms of just kind of, you know, my identity, obviously I'm a lawyer. I'm always going to be a lawyer, but entrepreneur is, is, is probably the stronger part of it. And turns out that serves you better if you're going to be the person running the law firm.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, you said you knew you wanted to be a lawyer. sounded like earlier you mentioned you, you wanted to go to some big New York law firm, but other than that, I mean, did, did you have in your mind that you were, always going to start, have your own law firm? Is this something you knew or, or did that sort of evolve along the way as well?
1: Yeah, not not at all. You know, I you know wasn't really exposed to a lot of people who ran their own businesses, you know, certainly not their own firms growing up. And so it really wasn't on my radar. I looked at my employment career as having jobs. And it was really having that break from the workforce and being able to step back and You know, kind of recognize that this type of path puts me a lot more in control of my future and my time and my lifestyle. And certainly it's not for everyone. You know, there are downsides, no doubt, you know, in terms of, you know, you don't have the same certainty and, some of the benefits and, you know, those things and, and, and not having to make all of the decisions and, you know, set schedule, you know, you may, you, I say you have more control over your time, but you may have less of it <laughs> at the end of the day compared to having a job. But for me, the trade-offs have, have been worth it. I definitely didn't, I didn't see it coming. I feel like I, I kind of stumbled into entrepreneurship, you know, the same way that I, that I did in the family law. But, you know, I, I think just having, you know the the inclination to take that risk is as paid off and, and maybe that is a trait of, of being an entrepreneur
0: well i'll tell you you know i don't know if i've ever told you this but i i have used you as an example with other people and i've told them how impressed i am with you that you left you gave up a successful business and pivoted to do something else you know you know I, i've i've mentioned that to more than one person Good stuff for sure. I'm not, thank you. No, <laughs> no, no I, it's I, it's I, I, impressive. I mean, it really is to, to me because you know, it, you build this thing up, you spend all this time, you building your baby and then you, you say, all right, this, I'm passionate about this other thing. And you know, you're betting on yourself, which, which I like, and, and this leads sort of to my next question because you know, you are taking risks, but there have to be moments where you're thinking that I make. A mistake that Is this is this the right thing and so how do you deal with those moments when you're like okay is this did i did i make the right choice how, wh- what is it you do it, I, I need to know personally you you <laughs> you, you are you are
1: 100 percent correct that i think most people will be would be lying if they told you that you know they didn't have some kind of you know doubt creep in i think that i've got you know fantastic support I've got a mastermind group that's been going for 15 years. So I feel like I've got kind of my own board of directors that I meet with every couple of weeks. And there's some entrepreneurs in that group, you know, knowing other, you know, lawyers like yourself, you know, getting together and, you know, sharing a meal and comparing notes and, you know, talking about, you know, how we're going to, you know, recognize that I'm not in this by myself, even though entrepreneurship can feel like a lonely game from time to time. And then, you know, my wife obviously is is my greatest supporter. She. You know, whenever I say, oh, you know, we didn't get any new clients this week, you know, the the sky is falling. You know, like I'm gonna have to, you know, I'm gonna have to start, you know, driving Uber, and she'll she'll say, you know, she'll remind me that, you know, I've been worried, you know, about the growth of the business, you know, basically every few months since I, you know, first started my my law firm in 2015, and that it always works out. You know, I'm not, you know, we're not gonna starve. You know, things take a while to grow, and you know really focusing on my inputs into the practice rather than the output of what the practice Mm -hmm. gives me is something that I think has given me back some sense of control in this uncontrollable world of entrepreneurship. And, you know, focusing on what I can control and what I do every day and, you know, kind of what my habits are and what my practices are, what I spend my time doing, doesn't leave a whole lot of room for doubt on the side, if, if that's your focus.
0: I like that focus on the inputs that that's, that's good. So, so what types of things do you focus on every day? You know, you don't have to tell us every detail, but generally speaking, what sorts of things do you focus on to grow the, grow the firm?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that one of the best superpowers you can have is knowing what to spend your time on. You know, many of us can work hard, can put our head down and, you know, churn through task after task. You know, one of my things that I do every day is I look at my to do list and I try to prioritize what are the most important things and I distinguish important from urgent. Right. Um, because a lot of times what feels like the most important thing is answering the email or hitting the deadline or something that, you know, somebody wants a response right away. And I try to reframe my bias towards important means something that is going to give long term value. And so something that is going to pay off, you know, a year from now, like drafting a a video, you know, putting in video or putting in writing something that clients ask me, you know, every single time that I work for them, work with them, putting that down in writing. So from here on out, when somebody asks this question, here you go. You know, I've written a guide. I've written an entire five page guide on it, or I've drafted a video. You can watch this video and it will answer your questions and uh, focusing on things that are investments in the future rather than just, you know, checking off the boxes as something that is, that has proven to pay off
0: for me. That's huge. So, so let, let's step back. So you're, you, you, where you are now, you, you've lived through a lot of stuff. You've done a lot of, a lot of things, probably learned a lot of lessons. If you were given some advice to yourself 15 years ago or to another young lawyer out there that, you know, wants to start a firm or, or grow a firm, you know? Is there anything, any advice you'd give one or two or yeah. three? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the
1: probably the biggest thing is to recognize that, you know, you are running a business, right? For some reason, lawyers have this thing where they do not view themselves as as business people. But if you are in the business of, of serving clients in a law firm, you are part of a business. And to recognize that all the parts of, of a business that normally exist out there uh, exist in your law firm you got the marketing, you've got the HR, you've got, you know, you've got the sales. And sometimes lawyers hear marketing and sales and, you know, treat them as dirty words. You've got, you've got the accounting. And if you were not skilled at these things and you need to bring people in that are skilled at these things for your business to thrive. And so, you know, getting away from this idea that law firms are just lawyers and paralegals and maybe a receptionist is something that I think many young lawyers and small firm owners that I know need to grasp sooner rather than later if they don't want to end up hating their business.
0: So let's let's go back to to your firm, your current firm, prenups.com. What's 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 the long-term vision? Where where do you see this firm going or where do you want it to go?
1: Yeah, we want to be the biggest provider of prenuptial and postnuptial agreements drafted by attorneys nationwide. And we are building out our network of attorneys, partners in various states across the country as quickly as we can while still bringing on, you know, the right people into the organization. And that's where we're going. We are covering, we have nine other partners besides myself covering uh, 17 states right now. Uh, Hopefully that number will be even higher by the time this, this podcast airs. And, um, uh, our plan is to get into the majority of States, um, early in
0: 2024. Wow. And so, you know, I commend you on this. This is great. It's It's going to be uh, fun to watch, you know, it's, it's the, the balance between extreme growth and, you know, keeping the wheels on, on the, on the race car while you're driving it. So yeah, it's, it's going to be fun, but, but I, you know, that's the fun part, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is the flip side that should not be lost in all of this is I really am having fun. You know, I've, I've definitely been one of those people that rolls my eyes when people say, oh, if you're doing what you love, you're not working a day in your life. No, you still do work, you know, Mm -hmm. but you know, this is something that I am having a lot of fun with. You know, it is not boring for sure. You know, running a business like this is, is new and challenging, but that means that it is continually interesting and I'm having a lot of fun with the things that I'm learning.
0: So here's a a little curveball for you so you mentioned when you came back from south america you were thinking about some other businesses or what like something like that so if you weren't practicing law or you weren't running a law practice what would you be doing do you know (laughs) stand-up (laughs) comedy
1: Yeah, no, that, you know, funny enough, that was that was my life goal before I decided I, I wanted to be a lawyer in like sixth grade. And my parents breathed a sigh of relief and said, yes, lawyer, yes, that is that is something we can, we can be proud of having you do and, and really encourage that. You know, I mean, with everything that I know now, I definitely think I would be running some kind of business. You know, I... I think that I have some of the traits of an entrepreneur that I probably didn't recognize, you know, earlier in life when I was, you know, really focused on just being a lawyer. But definitely, some kind of business to me it's like putting together a puzzle, and you know, you you, you turn this knob and you tweak this lever, and you know, things start working. And you know, there's nothing more exciting than watching something that you know you built yourself from the ground, you know, from scratch, turn into something you know, a real entity. And uh, I get a lot of gratification out of that. So yeah, I'd be a business person in
0: some, some form. Well, I have a prediction that prenups.com is not your last business venture. (laughs) There's more. I I have a feeling there's going to be more. So you got to think through that. You got to think what's it going to be. Maybe it's a up comedy. (laughs) <laughs> that's maybe taking so. a risk that's taking a big risk getting up on yeah. that stage yeah uh, yes
1: maybe, maybe, maybe not ready for that maybe not that big of a risk but yeah i mean i'm 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 loving this so much that you know I, I don't ever see you know necessarily me not doing this but i could see myself doing additional you know business ventures you know on top of this so you know let's hope your prediction is correct
0: yeah well Well, we've been going at this for a while, appreciate you coming on before we wrap up here, you know, why don't you tell people where they can find you, you know, you're probably on social media. I think you mentioned to me before we got on, you got some other things in the works for early next year. Why don't you tell everybody where to find you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, number one place, obviously you can find us at prenups.com. That's the website. We've got all kinds of resources, videos, a free ebook all on the site. You can buy the book the prenup prescription on amazon.com we've got links to that from the website as well and then on social media i am prenup guy on instagram and your other favorite social media platforms
0: and we're gonna are you got you've got a podcast coming out early next year or are you you gonna get into (laughs) that game i know you're on a lot of podcasts
1: yeah i'm doing a lot of podcasts it seems like you know the natural progression of things so we will have to see. Stay tuned. You'll be the first to know. You'll, you'll, you'll be a guest on it should that come to fruition. So
0: yeah. Well, I encourage you to do it. It, You should, you're good at it. So again, I appreciate you, you coming on and look forward to grabbing lunch or something in person soon. So,
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. It's been an honor.
0: Thank you.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Founding Partner Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to stay up to date on the latest episodes. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn and check out the show notes with links to resources mentioned throughout our discussion by visiting www.yourlawfirmgc.com. We'll see you next time for more origin stories and insights from successful law firm founders.